to a path to redemption the podcast my name is daniel arona and just remember this simple truth the father loves you jesus loves you and the holy spirit loves you once again i hope that you've had a great week i hope that you've had time to spend with the lord in prayer again just making sure that we're doing our due diligence as the day approaches right because the day of the lord is approaching and is very near at hand there's just so many things happening across this world that are setting up for the beast system between the central bank digital currency a lot of the technology um, advances that we've seen around Neuralink and and some of the the other things that are happening in the transhumanist movement, there's just so much happening right now that we have got to make sure that we keep our eyes stayed upon the Lord and that we are about his work and his business, right? And I think that's what's so important is that we have to be obedient to the things that he's called us to. We've got to be faithful to the things that he's called us to. We've got to make sure that we're being led by his spirit and being led accordingly in every aspect of our lives. If you think about it, particularly if you read through the Old Testament or or even through pieces of the New Testament, without obedience, there wouldn't be any miracles, right? If we tried to reason in ourselves that, you know, if we do this, well, then then I don't know what's going to happen, or people make fun of me, or whatever's going to happen. Like, the, the most improbable things were when God told Moses to stretch out his rod across the sea, and the sea parted, or when God told Mary and Joseph that they were going to have a child of the Holy Spirit that was going to be Jesus Christ. You know, I think we have to understand that if we do things in obedience and we take the steps out that God tells us to do, then we can see miraculous things happen even in our own lives, right? But you're not going to see that if we're not willing to take the step out in obedience. And particularly during this time, because I was talking with my pastor yesterday that, you know, at the end of the day, there's going to be plenty of times where we might have to live on miracles, where we're going to be sitting right there and soldiers may come into the house and may may want to try to kill us, but they're not even going to be able to see us and all these other things that a lot of our brethren across the world already deal with. So I think it's important that we start thinking that, particularly in Western culture, and that we start focusing in on that as well and just being obedient and faithful over what God has given us. And look, if it comes in, they come in and, and they take us out, then guess what? We're with Christ, right? And it's okay. Either way, everything will be okay because all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and a called according to his purpose. And if you're saved today, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are called to a purpose. And it's just about executing and doing what, what that purpose is. Amen. So kind of a long-winded intro there, but uh, but wanted to make sure that I kind of got that off my chest because we got to make sure that we are, we are focused on him and that we trust him. Amen. So we're going to wrap up our, uh, our thing here in Exodus, and we're going to look at, at uh, how Exodus ends here with the dwelling with God. And I think that, that this is pretty important, um, particularly when you put it in the aspect of the church age, which is what we've kind of been looking at from the type of the, the Exodus. So before we get there, though, again, just remember all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me a note at pathredemptionohio at gmail.com. More than happy to put one into your hands. Also, um, my book's out, Grace Abounds. If you'd like a copy of that, just drop me a note, pathredemptionohio at gmail.com, and I'm more than happy to ship one out to you. Um, and then finally, just don't take my word for it. Make sure you're studying to show yourself approved because you, you just have to make sure that you're doing the work, right? There's a lot of false teachers out there. I've 
told you before that I believe everything I teach, but they also believe everything they teach. So I just think that it's very, very important that we focus, we rightly divide the word, and that you are doing the study yourself as well. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into it. So we're going to go into to the Exodus continued. But before, I just want to run a, want to recap, because we've seen the Exodus so far as a picture of the redemption through the blood of the Lamb. We've seen it as a baptism through the Red Sea. We've seen it that all things have been provided through Christ, through the water from the rock and from the man of heaven. We know the covering over our battles that we face is through Christ, through that inner session. And then we've seen the delegation of authority to the church um, and to the fivefold ministry, right? That's happening now. So we're going to end this series with a look at, Ma- at Israel at Mount Sinai. So up until this point, the Lord has been with them through the pillar of fire at night and the cloud by day. Exodus 13, 20 through 22 says, so they took their journey from Sukkoth and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them them light. So as to go by day and night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from people from before the people. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Again, this pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud came after their redemption from Egypt. The Holy Spirit comes to us after our redemption as well. So when we accept Jesus Christ, we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, then the Holy Spirit comes to us. Now, there's a difference between that, the Holy Spirit coming to us, and then the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Once we get saved, we are able to be led by the Holy Spirit. We are able to know which way to go, left or right. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what gives you power. And I think that we have to understand that, right? So that's that's the separation between the two. For that detail, I suggest you go back to season three regarding the Holy Spirit and really kind of listen to, to those if you want more detail. It's a little bit too in detail for this particular study. But anyway, at this point, the Holy Spirit was leading the children of Israel into the wilderness. The same thing happened to Christ after his baptism in the River Jordan. Matthew 3, 16 through 17 and 4 and 1 says, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of the god descending like a dove and alighting upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased then jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil in this case the holy spirit came as a dove but the principle remains the same just as israel was led out into the wilderness jesus after his baptism was led as well so when we are led by the Spirit while on this earth, and that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. It's to comfort us, to lead us, to direct us, and and push us in the way that we are supposed to go. Every time that we feel that kind of pull in our belly, that pull and that tug on our spirit, that's the Holy Spirit telling you or warning you at times not to go a certain direction. You know, I think that we we need to be, be sensitive to the Spirit and understand what He's trying to get us to go to and the direction that He wants us to be. Because particularly in this particular time, it's going to be even more imperative as we go through and as the world continues to get to get worse and worse. So having walked through all of that, this time it leads us up to Israel to come to Mount Sinai. So Exodus 19, 1 through 3 says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim. 
and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. As Israel comes to Sinai, God calls Moses from the mountain, and Moses talks to him face to face. See, Christ talks with God on our behalf face to face, right? He has now ascended to the right hand of the Father, constantly making intercession for us. He is the mediator of the new covenant, right? So you see the Moses here being the picture of Jesus Christ. As Moses has been leading Israel, he has had this role of intercessor, and prior to the law, again, coming, is that picture of Christ. See, now, so look what Moses, what God says to Moses in Exodus 19, 4 through 6. He says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. This is the promise of redemption. It was here that God reaffirmed his choice of Israel. Moses reiterates this in Deuteronomy 32, 7-9, where he says, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the people according to the number of the children of Israel, for the Lord's portion is his people. And Jacob is the place of his inheritance. But notice what the what the promise is here. It's that they will become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. This is a really, really important point. Because we see this several times in the New Testament. First Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy, right? So he's talking about the church there in that context. So here we also see this in Revelation 1, 4 through 6, when John begins to write his letter to the seven churches. And it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. <clears throat> you also see it again when the 24 elders are bowing down. And in Revelation 5, 8 through 10, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to, by, to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. This is the promise that will be fulfilled during the millennial kingdom. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 11 through 13, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we also shall live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He 
cannot deny himself. So we've got to understand that here. This is the promise of redemption for all nations. It's the promise of redemption, particularly for the church. If you think about it, right? Because at the end of the day, we are going to rule and reign with Christ. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, do you not realize that we will judge angels? Understanding all of that then, we Ezekiel, um, and I believe it's in 48 and 49, actually lays down the the land and where each tribe is going to be. But basically what's going to happen is that Jesus Christ is going to rule the world out of Jerusalem. David is going to rule Israel out of Jerusalem. And then there's going to be specific parts for the tribes of Israel in that area of Israel, right? It's going to be a little bit wider than what it is now um, and not actually cross over the river Jordan like they did in the old Testament. But regardless of all of that, there are going to be other places on this earth that we will rule and reign because we have a responsibility to do that whoever God wants to wants to put in there. We talked about the delegation of the church, where he put some rules over 10, some 100, some thousands. Same thing applies, right? In order for us to understand that we will rule and reign with Christ in the millennial kingdom. And that's really what we're trying to get at here, is that God here in Sinai is saying, look, you are going to be a nation of priests, that's what you're going to be. And what do the priests do? But they, they worship and they provide the service to God, right? That's what the priests do. But a kingship goes along with that because we are born after the order of Melchizedek, just like Jesus Christ was as king, priest, and prophet. Amen. So going back to Exodus, we see a people preparing themselves to be presented to God. Exodus 19, 7 through 15 says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words, which which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in the thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow, whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to, to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. So this is a picture, again, of the bride preparing herself. Ephesians 5, 25-27 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glory glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. The preparing, if you notice here, is the love of Christ in us. We are to let him do his work to present us faultless. So just as the Israelites had to consecrate themselves in Exodus 19 in order to prepare themselves to go meet God, it is Christ that begins to prepare his bride, the church, that begins to, to prepare us, that begins to make sure that, that his love is in us, that we may be presented back to his father, right? Jude 1, 24 through 25 says this, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, that's talking about Jesus, and to present you faultless 
before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. So we're saying there, look, Jesus is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to present you faultless before his own glory with exceeding joy to God to the, his father, right? Think about it this. When a when a man comes home to his parents and presents the, the girl that he was going to marry to them, right? That's what he is doing. He's preparing us to be presented back to his father as part of the reconciliation that happened in Colossians chapter 1 when Paul goes in and talks about the spirit of reconciliation. And then we are one with him. Similarly, as the marriage is we are one one with our spouse, we are also one with Jesus Christ. And we have to understand that and see that happening here. And all of this is done in Exodus 19 because what's going to happen is God is going to come down and Moses is going to present the children of Israel before God. And that's the picture of that millennial kingdom. That's the picture of the bride preparing herself. That's the picture of all of these things coming to a head here at the base of Mount Sinai. And this is truly amazing when you think about it because because the entire church age is basically laid out in these 90 days and also the reward of the church, which is Jesus Christ, to be presented back to the Father. He will present us faultless if we stay faithful to the things of him and to him. After all of this, what ends up happening? God comes down with the children of Israel. So they've prepared themselves. They've consecrated themselves. They've separated themselves out. You know, they've really been focusing on on the things that Moses has told them to do. And all of a sudden, now it's time for Moses to present the children of Israel to God the Father that's going to come down and visit them, right? It's now time. The, the church is ready. The church has prepared itself. It's now time for Jesus Christ to present his bride, to present us back to the Father when he shows up and when he ultimately takes us out of here, right? Because we go into the marriage supper of the Lamb in that seven-year period, right, to where we are celebrating the marriage between us and Jesus Christ, the oneness being fulfilled, the reconciliation being fulfilled. And all of that is shown here. So God then, after all of that, right, God then comes in in Exodus 19, 16 through 20. And it says, then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and answered him, spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. At this point, God himself is dwelling with man on this mountain, if even for a brief moment. While Israel could not stand before, because later in this chapter in Exodus, they're going to say, oh, no, you please talk to God for us, because there is no way that we are going to be able to stand before God. And there's no way that we could do this lest we all perish. They are not able to have it. But when we are translated into our immortal bodies, because as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, corruptible puts on incorruptible, mortality puts on immortality. When we are changed in that twinkling of an eye, we will be able to stand before Jesus Christ and before 
before God, not in ourselves, but we'll really be able to stand in the righteousness of who Jesus Christ is. And look, maybe we can stand, but I can tell you right now, and more than likely, we'll all be hitting our knees just as those elders, worshiping and bowing down before him and thanking him for all the things that he did and for his righteousness and for his glory and all the things that he has done, you know, even the things that we don't fully understand and the things that we don't fully know. Because I fully believe that we will never fully understand the work of the cross and what all he did. I know he saved my soul. I know he died for my sins. I know all of that piece, right? But to truly understand how he defeated Satan, how he reconciled all the world back to him, how he did all of this work there to where he could become king of kings and lord of lords and rule for the millennium and then ultimately make everything subject to underneath his feet, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and then turn around when he has been made all in all, then he will turn around and give it all back to God, that God may be everything and God may be all in all. And you think about that. He would, Jesus Christ would never have been able to do that if it wasn't for Calvary and if it wasn't for the cross, because he is the only one worthy to be able to do that. He is the only one that has lived that perfect, sinless life for us. He is the only one that could ever do anything. And I tell people, I, I had had breakfast. I, my my wife and my kids were off doing something else, and, and I had breakfast by myself yesterday and I was out at a restaurant the lady sat next to me and and uh and she was 82 years old sweet sweet lady and I remember talking to her about Jesus and telling her that look he is our only hope and and she couldn't get over that so many bad things that happened to her and her husband and and all these other things and I told her straight up I was like I don't not going to pretend to tell you why those things happened or why they didn't the only thing I can tell you is that is that a lot of this boils down to the sin nature of man and the and the choices that we make and I know that's not comforting but I can tell you right now that the only hope that we have is Jesus and if we if all men have only hope in this life then we are of all men most miserable and that's all I could tell her. And, you know, we had a good conversation. Very, very sweet lady. Please pray for her that she comes to the to Jesus Christ. I don't know how much time she has, but please pray for her that she would come to Jesus Christ because she was a very, very, very sweet lady. But at the end of the day, we've got to make sure that we are prepared and that at this moment in time that we have put our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ. I can't say that enough. But going back to our lesson here, look, seeing all this, God dwells with them. And guess what's going to happen in the new Jerusalem? Guess what's going to happen? Because in Revelation 21, 1 through 4, it says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Hallelujah. Right? God is going to dwell on this earth. We will have he will light everything. It'll be the light of him and the Lamb, and they will dwell on this earth together with their creation. And we cannot 
thank him enough because in that day, all things are going to be made new. Everything is. And I cannot wait for that day, right? Because it, because I'll be dwelling with God the Father here on this earth, with the Almighty, with with Jesus Christ who died for my sins and, and who I love tremendously. They are, we're going to be dwelling with them right day and night. There's not even going to be night. There's not going to be any more tears. There's not going to be any more sorrow. Think about that because all this, this world and everything else in it has passed away. And we see that picture here in Mount Sinai when God dwells, even for a brief, brief moment on Mount Sinai, he dwells among his creation, among his chosen people. Amen. So look, the Exodus is much more than just a story of, of the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and then going and finding their God. After this, what happens is the law comes to them, and then we change dispensations. But here, they're in a, but until the law comes, they're in a period there where there's a type of grace. They're underneath the same covenant of Abraham, right? And it's a type of grace. It's not the fullness of grace because there was no Jesus, but it's a type of grace. But in this Exodus, from Egypt all the way out, until the they reach Mount Sinai and before Moses gets up the law, we see the, the church age. We see the church age being there. We see the redemption through the blood of the Lamb. We see the baptism through the Red Sea. We see that all things will be provided through us with the, from the water, from the rock, and the manna from heaven. We know that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us through the, the cloud by day and the, the pillar of fire by night. The, there's covering for the battles that we face and through Christ, and that Christ has already covered us in that. And we see the delegation of the authority of the church until finally we see the pictures of the millennial kingdom, the preparing of the bride for him, the marriage supper of the lamb. We see that Moses goes and makes intercession between the children of Israel and God the Father until finally the Father himself dwells on this earth. Amen. How amazing and wonderful is that? And it's all lined up there in this 90 days, 90 days from the time that they left exit, left Egypt to the time they reached Mount Sinai. Hallelujah. Look, I hope you got something out of this study. But again, it's time for us to be preparing ourselves. You know, my pastor had a great line the other day where he said, you know, we better be getting our iron out and ironing, out, ironing the wrinkles out of our rapture garments. I completely believe him. I think that's how close we are. So... Look, make sure you're studying to show yourself approved unto God. Make sure that you're you're doing the work. Make sure that you're praying. Make sure that you're you're intimate with him in your walk. Amen. But until next time, just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.